Hey there, demons. It's us, your girls. Welcome to the 12th Office Goblin Podcast. I'm S. And I'm D. And we are goblins. Two goblins that have many thoughts, interests, and opinions about stuff and things. And today, we are delving into the wonderful uh, paper-cut giving world of literature. <laughs> we. <laughs> Unless you have a Kindle in which you don't have that problem, which is great. The only legal way you can use paper to vividly hallucinate for hours on end. Oh my gosh, the eye strain is real. <laughs> you know what? This past couple of weeks, I've finally gotten back into reading. And uh-huh. I don't know if it's just from not reading enough or, you know, if I'm going to die soon. But I found out that oh. <laughs> the longer I read a book, the easier it is or whatever. Like, the words start to double, you know? Uh-huh. And they start kind of crossing each other. I've never had that issue before in my life. And I just went, well, this is hopefully nothing serious. (laughs) Old. Right? It's just old. old. (laughs) (laughs) Decrepit and falling apart. Starting with your eyes. You know, I already have to have glasses, so it is what it is. I... I won't confess to you how long I've been wearing glasses, and it's so odd to say, and I don't know how this is physically plausible, but my vision has not declined, but has slightly improved in one eye. How the hell have you managed that? Magic mama. (laughs) I'm a wizard. You're a wizard. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, yeah. is this is this because you've got that stupid blender or your juicer? You've just been pounding back carrots like nobody's business. I was just going to say carrots. Uh, yeah. I put on my magical trench coat. I fly and I have carrot <laughs> juice to go. Those are the secrets. Um, and sunscreen. I've been preaching sunscreen like almost every episode. So <laughs> listen, when you got two pale, pale pasty ladies here, you got to chicken sunscreen. kind of women. <laughs> Oh, man. Which is so funny, because I can tan. I don't know if you'll believe me, but prior to, prior to grad school, my skin yeah. was a little bit darker. And then ever since that time, it hasn't been the same, because I spent almost two years <laughs> indoors. <laughs> I know. Listen, grad school, grad school will get you fucked up. <laughs> it, oh, my gosh. my A good chunk of my cohort, if not all of it, we were all taking vitamin D pills. I mean, so was I. <laughs> there you go. Requirements for grad school, sadness and vitamin D pills. <laughs> vitamin D deficiency. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and a can-do attitude. Hey. Hey. Speaking of can-do attitudes, what have you been reading lately? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, Okay. One apropos grad school, one of my friends, uh, you know, we are both adults, okay. but she recommended these books from uh, this author, Kobe Yamada, and okay. they're children's books, but on big topics about yeah. your place in the world. Um, I have this one, actually. It's really cute. It's called Finding Muchness. Oh, is yeah. that a duckling? It is a little duckling, yeah. Oh, it's so cute. It's dancing on the cover, people. It's adorable. And, you know, it starts off, I'm just going to read the little inner flap here of the book. It's, what is muchness and how do you find it? Muchness is the full-hearted abundance of hope, joy, and imagination that each of us has when we come into this world. It is there for us to love, to dare, to dream, to create, and to live our best life. But over time, as we take on more responsibilities and worries, our doubts and fears have a way of growing with us. And because of this, we can lose much of our muchness. This little book is about finding it again. And like, that's a pretty big topic for children. But I'm like, you know what, this is, I think, something that is good for kids early on as they Mm -hmm. grow, because, you know, we we censor, we filter down. It's a lot of that inner self-talk that gets in the way. Yeah. You know, it's like adulthood where dreams go to die, Um, (laughs) right? Sometimes for some people, you know. So I think, like, even though it is technically a children's book, 
it's a nice little thing for adults too. Plus, like, look at this little guy. It's so sweet. He's I mean, finding I already muchness. have serotonin coming through my veins. Yeah. I'm going to find you a really cute picture in this book. And yeah, this little dude, he's absolutely fabulous. Um, like, look at him jumping into a leaf pile. Oh. Swan dive. <laughs> my heart. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like cute illustration after cute illustration. And because most of my, most of the books that I read tend to be pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, I found out that I might be what you call a highly sensitive person. <laughs> what? What? I know. I was like, I'm so glad I'm Wild. sitting down for this self-revelation. Yeah. <laughs> so this has helped me make a lot of sense of things. I think I told you in recent weeks I've been really into color, shape, and form. So I found this book on sacred geometry. Ooh. Yeah. Like, think about even things in nature that technology is modeled out of like a bullet train kind of like a bird beak you know Mm -hmm. and how it cuts through wind Mm -hmm. and things like that fascinating stuff that is so cool yeah um so i've been reading those books i was just gonna add on to it really quick that i actually just saw a reel on instagram where it was a video and it says the bilateral unification of nature uh-huh. And it was just rapid fire images of almost every plant, like every animal. Yeah. And how we're all even like down the center, basically, at least to the sense of you've got two eyes, two nostrils, your mouth, you know, it's just like bilateral. Yeah. It's two of everything. God gives with both hands. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just that that book ex- made me think of that. How I, I just watched it maybe 15 minutes ago. So that was yeah. that's kind of weird and cool. S- yeah. Uh, synchronicities. <laughs> Oh, magic! Found a glitch in the Matrix. Yeah, absolutely. Morpheus. <laughs> um, but <laughs> yeah. So, and also, finally got into audiobooks. Yeah. And listeners, maybe you're just so used to us repeating stories at this point sometimes because <laughs> we don't remember what we talked about. But um, <laughs> I got some audiobooks, and they. From the library, I go there on a weekly basis, and during the summer, I think, like, twice a week. Uh, Get on my level. I'm there every day. Yeah, well, you know, (laughs) when you live in the library. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. Um, Such a gift. Um, But, (laughs) well, uh, yeah, audiobooks, hey. (laughs) So... It comes in, like, a set – at least this particular audiobook came in a set of, like, seven or eight discs, right? Yes. And it was a nice thing because my commute is so freaking long because I live in a really just cramped urban area. Right. So even when there's no traffic, it's it's a long commute. Right. And to just zone out but, like, almost in a meditative fashion listen because it was Mm -hmm. the author actually reading – these books for both of these um, audiobooks. And he has such a soothing voice. It's instant Xanax, ASMR. Ooh. Your s- soul left your body in a nice way. <laughs> yeah, not like this is death, but you're like, ooh, I'm just like ascending. <laughs> Ascension. Yes, yes. Yeah, the gates opened up. They were playing. There was like trap horns. It was awesome. So wait, you can't you can't be like this was Xanax in book form and not tell me what the books were. Oh, okay. So some of you may find this kind of woo-woo, and that's totally fine. But Eckhart Tolle and the first okay. one I read was The Power of Now. Mm-hmm. And if it's good enough for Oprah, it's good enough for me. But then <laughs> his other book, A New Earth, which I really enjoyed, particularly out of the two about like presence and consciousness and things like that that I think can not only you know just for the improvement and betterment of your own self because like the concept of let's say purposeful suffering and needless suffering oftentimes you know we work Mm. ourselves into a frenzy with assumptions and like the being stuck in the past moving forward too much in the future and you don't feel good No. You know, so you create suffering for yourself often on a daily basis or things that just never come to be that we're so stressed and pressed about. Mm -hmm. Whereas, 
you know, things come up in life and you just deal with them. But when you're dealing with them in the moment and not staying in the past or moving too far in the future, then you're in a better state to deal with things as they come. Okay. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So um, very fascinating stuff. I was like, audiobooks, late in the game, but so glad to be in the game. <laughs> um, yeah, but to answer your questions, those were the things that I'm currently reading. How about you? So as of like right now, the book that I am reading is The Shadow in the Glass. It's the debut novel for J.J.A. Harwood. I don't know if... Uh-huh, uh-huh. And it's a fiction Mysterious. story about this girl who, um, like, her mom was a servant for this lady, and then her mom dies, and this lady takes her in. Okay. Well, then the lady dies, and the lady's husband is, like, just this misogynistic, abusive Ugh. piece of shit. And, like, basically rapes all of the housemaids. Get out. No, Trigger warning, yeah. Yeah, sorry. I probably should have said that. Oh, no, you're good. Um, But at (laughs) it's one of those things where, you know, it's a fairy godmother thing where at the stroke of midnight, a fairy godmother makes her an offer that will change her life. Seven wishes, hers to make as she pleases, joy, opportunity, comfort, and even love are within her reach once more, but each wish comes at a price, and Ella must decide whether it's one she's willing to pay. Interesting. So kind of a a twist on like your fairy godmother, but make it more Fatrixster. And I'm kind of, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. You know what? I'm eager to hear your thoughts on it because it's like, even in real life, right? Whether it's a quote unquote, quote, good or bad decision, mm-hmm. everything carries a consequence. Yeah. Every action has a reaction. Like, yeah. And even the circumstances in which you're brought up, you still have a choice. Mm hmm. You know, we often like to dictate, well, it's like society, it's this and that. And like, yeah, to some degree, but ultimately you're the one making the choice. Right. There's another really good book I read, I think last year, that has to deal with choices and reactions or choices and consequences. Yeah. Which it's a very short story from a Japanese author called If If Cats Disappeared from the World. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's a story about a young man who has cancer and is dying. Mm -hmm. And his doctor tells him, you have a day left to live, basically. Wow. And he stumbles upon a crossroads and makes a deal with the devil. Nice. (laughs) And the devil is (laughs) – the way that they portray this demon devil – because the devil never says he's the devil. He just says he's, you know, from another world. This dude is literally in, like, Hawaiian shirts and Crocs and is, like, always smoking something or drinking something. It's – I love Uh it. But, you know, so – So he's like Jimmy Buffett. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty much what this author was implying the whole time. But so, you know, every the, – the devil says then or this demon says, you know, every day I'll grant you another day to live. Okay. But you have to get rid of something and it's up to me to decide. But is it like physical items or people and is it like murder or what is it? It's physical items. So like I think the first day it was clocks. So okay. all of a sudden clocks disappear from the world. Time basically disappears. Oh, Okay. And then the next day, I think, is um, cell phones. And then the next day are movies. Wow. But, you know, it gets to the point where he says, it's cats. Cats will disappear from the world. And this guy has a cat. Yeah. And he's faced now with the decision of, do I continue living and then make everyone else around me suffer? Wait, but did he pick cats or did the devil say it's cats? The devil. Because the devil's the one that decides. Oh, oh, okay. You know what? I misunderstood. I thought the guy got to pick something every day. No, basically and, okay. the, the devil says, how about this one? He's very flighty. He's like, I don't really want to be here, but you're interesting me enough that, you know, I'll go ahead and stick around and see what you next decide. Oh, that's that's like the worst kind of person ever. Right, so a bored you know, person, yeah. It starts where he's just in this kid's bedroom. He's like, "Oh, you want another day to live? Mm, clocks? Why not clocks?" Like he just sees the alarm clock and says, "Yeah, those yeah. are gone." 
So that's kind of where he's at. He gives no fucks. He is an absolute agent of chaos. I mean, he wears Crocs, so that's someone with no one, <laughs> nothing left to lose. Crocs or sandals, I can't remember what it was, but it's very much a laid back, does not give a flying fuck kind of person. Yeah, Birkenstock potato shoes. But, you know, that's that's where it ends up. And I think it's the cats then where he's thinking, what am I doing for yeah. one more day to live? And what am I even doing with that day? Sure. So it, it was very much a, a unique take on if you had a day left to live, how would you spend it? Yeah, that sounds like a really pretty awesome book. I like that concept. It was really cool. But um, so no, currently that I have cracked open, I have the shadow in the glass. But mm-hmm. I have been recently interested or reading more fiction mm-hmm. books lately. And okay. I used to never be interested in fiction. Whatsoever. And I have a feeling it's because I used to use books as an escape route. Okay. You know, where, Mm -hmm. of course, you're going to go into fiction as a younger adult or whatever, because it takes you to a different place and a different land and it's fun. And who wants to learn about things that are real or currently happening? Hello, listeners. Dee here in post-production. And I just realized that I was saying fiction the entire time I was talking here when I meant to say non-fiction. Just wanted to clarify. Carry on. But the last book I read was She Come By It Natural, which is about Uh Dolly Parton's rise to iconic legendariness. I love her. It's it's literally Dolly Parton and the women her songs are about. Okay, like Jolene, for instance. Yeah, because Dolly Mm -hmm. Parton's, you know, early music is very much about the working woman. It's about someone who has absolutely nothing left, and she is just trying to put food on the table. She is supporting herself. She is independent. She is getting away from whatever is holding her down by any means necessary. Yeah, and if I remember correctly, she grew up very impoverished. Yeah. Like, I think the song uh, Coat of Many Colors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, based on uh, her life growing up. Yeah, it, it's a true story that her mom made her a coat of all of the rags, basically, that they had left around the house yeah. for her to be warm that winter. Yeah. But can I just say, her hair has withstood time and space and physics. I mean... I know I know it's not real. I was say, you do know it's a wig. <laughs> absolutely. She has great hats, though. Absolutely fabulous hats. Because it's just so big. It's, like, so larger than life. And I think I've always really liked that, you know, that she stayed true to herself. Like, you see the photos when she was much younger and now. And I don't know. There's, like, a wholesomeness about her that I really enjoy. Well, and that's the whole kind of point about the story is that she has always been this unique authentic person like this is me and this is who i am and this is what i represent and i am not changing you can't pay me enough to change you cannot contract me enough to change and that's why she got to the point where she owns her own freaking record company she owns her own movie uh company theme park even she's got her theme park like dolly parton doesn't work for people you work for dolly parton i love that energy she has bde But you put a rhinestone on it. Miss Dolly, if you're listening, BDE means big dick energy, and we love you. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, no. And what was really cool, what what sold me, because I saw the book on our shelf. Again, I work at a library. And I walked by it almost every day. And it's a small book. You know, it's not a very big one. And I thought, eh, maybe I'll pick it up. Maybe I'll pick it up. Well, Mm -hmm. and then I saw the author (laughs) is from my home state. And I went, oh, no, you're coming home with me. <laughs> <laughs> it had to be done. I have to support my fellow prairie children. <laughs> children of the corn. Of the wheat. Children the of wheat. the wheat. <laughs> yeah, either way, not if you have uh, some gluten intolerance, <laughs> you, <laughs> stay <no>. clear. <laughs> but uh, one last thing about that book, though. Yeah really really cool thing happened so almost any story that i read that i find interesting i'll post on my instagram Mm -hmm. and i tag the authors or whatever you know saying hey your book is amazing i think it was awesome 
the author liked my post and I freaked out for like an hour. <laughs> that is amazing. Absolutely. I was going up to all my coworkers like, look, she liked it. Look, she liked it. Look. <laughs> and as a librarian, that's so many points. <laughs> so many. Oh, oh, man. It was it was awesome. It was great. <laughs> I'm very happy for you. Thank you. That made my whole week. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, goodness. And about our Lord and Savior, Dolly Parton, no less. <laughs> honestly, honestly, there have been a lot of people that have been like, you know, Dolly for president. And while I support the energy. Yeah, the enthusiasm. <laughs> and the enthusiasm. And I truly believe that if we had to have a celebrity as president, like she'd do a damn good job. Mm hmm. I'm still over the whole, like, you need to have credentials to do your job right, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's like when they get confer those honorary degrees onto celebrities for doing nothing. Yeah, it's a little like, mm, I went 20 grand in the hole for that. So, like, fuck you. <laughs> right, right. And I know people who are well into middle age now and have are, are still in the process of paying off their loans. Mm-hmm. You know, um... Which, like, you know, good for people to make that decision. I know it's not for everyone, and that's totally fine. No no judgment there. Right. But, yeah, sometimes that's, yeah, that's a decision. Especially if you have, like, long-term programs. Yeah. But anyways. 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 Um, anything else that you're reading as well? No, not really. It was that one, and then the book I read before the Dolly Parton one was Crying in H Mart. Oh, I heard about this. Girl, it hurt. It hit. It was Ooh. so fucking good. I uh -huh. mean, it's a biography about that woman, uh, the, the yeah. author. It's her it's her story of dealing with her mom passing from cancer. Mm -hmm. And the struggles that her and her mom had over identity and who she was as someone who is biracial and yeah. being born in one country and then coming to America and trying to figure out, you know, because kids are horrible. If you don't look like who, what they look like, they're just going to be cruel. And yeah. so the struggle of her trying to become American and then when she gets older, realizing that her mom is her only link to her Korean side and then trying to figure out, you know, reparations kind of with her mom because every teenage daughter and their mom, I feel like, fight. And I feel like there's always at least some kind of point in time where you either try and come back together and make a relationship out of it, or you just, you don't. It's hard facts. But mm -hmm. she tries to come back and, you know, her mom and her are finally starting to get along again, and then her mom gets the diagnosis. Yeah, yeah. And it's, oh, it's heart-wrenching. It's heart-wrenching. It's written so well, though. Mm-hmm. It really takes you through it. And really, I, I don't know, I I feel like I've been more into fiction, not fiction, but nonfiction reading, just so that I can experience different um, backgrounds. Okay, uh-huh. You know, and, and learn how things affect other people, or, because the best way to learn something is get it from the source. Yeah. You know, or so... Literature teachers call it a primary source. Oh, primary, primary source. source. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I refuse to read, you know, like your average history books or your history books about nations or otherwise written by like white men or whatever. You know, I'm sure some of them are great, but I'm, just, I'm not going to read them because I would rather get it from someone who either lived it, had an ancestor that lived it, or understands the situation, you know? Uh-huh, Yeah. And, you know, what? like, as someone whose first language wasn't English, and whether it's in English or any other language, I mean, writing, this is going to sound so simplistic, but writing is hard. Good <laughs> writing. Um, to get complex ideas mm -hmm. out there, like, and not even necessarily succinctly, but making sometimes really big points or narratives and putting that out there, organizing your thoughts and even like songwriting. Oh my God. You know, you take these really complex emotions and experiences yeah, and 
and write it down. You put you put words to that has always been uh, something that I found just really quite amazing. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, like, I don't think it was until my, the end of my sophomore year of undergrad in which I think my writing skills finally took a turn for the better and started to improve. And I became more kind of self-aware in my writing. Because mm. shit is hard. <laughs> well, it's like America or English is the only language that has a national spelling bee. Is it really? It is. We are the only fucking language that has a spelling bee because our spelling is so stupid that mm-hmm. it's so i mean you've got so many grammar rules and so many i before e bullshit except for you know weird or whatever like it's everything is so messed up that they actually we are the only nation that has a spelling bee you know i'm gonna google now you know what i'm gonna do later tonight i'm gonna hop on google the googs yeah the googs to confirm and then if if this is false information then i will shun you (laughs) listen if it is false information then you text me or let me know and i will make a snippet like at the in this portion (laughs) insert reparation here unclick (laughs) yeah yeah like a statement redacted (laughs) <laughs> just one long beep that's it i was like i'll just censor the whole fucking section <laughs> yeah i would like that you just censor the parts when you're talking because the audience will be like she can't be trusted anymore oh no <laughs> yeah <laughs> kick but- her off her own show <laughs> <laughs> oh man i was gonna make a joe rogan joke but i'm not gonna go there Ooh. <laughs> oh, <nice. laughs> That's like a personality type, too, you know? (laughs) But um, let me ask you this, Miss D. Important questions. What are some childhood favorites of yours? Either books that you occasionally still return to or still think about. uh, Either fondly or otherwise. Maybe they scarred you for life and set the trajectory (laughs) for things. But um, are there any of those books? So I, I have, well, books have been such a big part of my life. Yeah. Because I grew up where my dad's mom was a librarian. And my mom's side of the family almost all have teaching degrees. So we, I was surrounded by books by the time I was in, by the time I was born, basically, I had books. One of the earliest memories I have with books actually is, in first grade, my teacher had a reading corner where we would sit around, you know, and she'd read us stories for whatever, reading time during the day. And she, my my first grade teacher was the best freaking person ever. She decorated it every month. So we would have themes either every mm-hmm. month or every week. Like this woman went all out, okay? That is so dope. And at one point we did a rainforest theme. And she had made a waterfall of blue tulle tucked into, like, the ceiling tiles from the ceiling all the way down into the reading room. And then her chair sat in front of it. What today would be considered a fire hazard. But. Listen. <laughs> yeah. This that was sounds like, so awesome. This was 2000. Okay. Yeah, there were no rules. Were OSHA no was not rules. a thing. <laughs> but so there was a little nook behind the waterfall, quote unquote. Yeah. That you could sit in, you know, a child could fit in and read. And That's so amazing. I I read the Rainforest book of the Magical Tree House. Which is such a great book series. It is. It is very near and dear to my heart. But I read the whole ten chapters as a first grader, and I was so wildly proud of myself. Yeah, absolutely. So that was that's my that's my earliest memory of reading on my own yeah um i do have a book that i've gone back to and read at least three or four different times it's called uh listen for rachel okay. i can't i can't think of the author's name I'm, I'm looking at my bookshelf right now and i don't know where it is yeah but it takes place in the appalachian mountains mm-hmm. during the civil war okay 
where there's there's uh the holler you know there's a little area between two mountains the valley where this Mm -hmm. family lives and they own all the land yeah and you know the family's kind of going back and forth on what side they want to be on and Mm. this girl's grandfather she has to come and live with her grandparents because her parents um pass in an accident Mm -hmm. and her grandfather is true neutral he's like listen we are family first we take care of each other in this in this area and if you have an issue with that then that's your problem yeah but first and foremost we take care of each other and the main character rachel obviously Mm-hmm. finds Denise <laughs> Denise no she's out walking in a snowstorm trying to like take care of the farm yeah. and all of a sudden one of their old horses that was taken for the war was walking like out of the woods the horse just found its way home and she's like oh my god what are you doing in the cold how did you find your way back here and then she realizes there's an injured soldier on the back of the horse ugh so she takes the soldier in and in and she, you know, nurses him back to health and then when he's better he leaves and promises yeah. that he'll come back for her cuz they fall in love. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Ew. But it's it's a really cute story and I feel uh-huh. like it might be one of those earlier instances like how you were talking about big subjects that kids can understand. Yeah, very digestible. Yeah, and I feel like it was a really good book because I want to say I got that when I was hmm, 12, Mm -hmm. going into sixth grade maybe, where learning empathy and learning to take care of each other and sure you can have a difference of understanding or whatever, but at the end of the day, we as people are people and we need to care for one another. Yeah. So that was a... That was a really good one, and I keep going back to that one. (laughs) Yeah, I think for the time period for when it's set, and in a way, like, the the culture, the Appalachian culture, Mm -hmm. yeah, it it sounds like the story remains very true to that, Mm -hmm. and that group of people. Right. Wow, yeah, that is, like, that is a really interesting book. Yeah, I I always recommend it. Again, it's it's written for you know young individuals mm-hmm. but it's a really it's a really good story and even as an adult you can still read it it's not terrible yeah you know what i'm glad that you brought that up because it's just like with the finding muchness book mm-hmm. at first i was like should i check this out and then actually got a bunch by that author mhm and you know they are it's it's like a sentence or two per page tops. Right. And very heavy on the illustration. But the ideas themselves, like even as an adult, I had to like meditate on it for a little bit and sit with some of the things that were coming up in the book. Right. And I feel that picture books are, it doesn't matter what age you are because picture books take it down to such an elementary understanding of things. Yeah. That I feel like as an adult, the older you get, the more complicated you try and make things and you try and make the answer super complicated. and 100%. And everything just becomes way too much, way too much, as in your muchness, and you mm. lose the idea and the concept of these really simple, you know, emotions. We lose yeah. sight of how we can pinpoint what this emotion is when, you know, for like all you're allowed to feel is stress or anxiety or anger – yeah. Like, those yeah. are the socially acceptable feelings. Mm-hmm. You lose the the ability to distinguish, okay, I'm not angry, maybe I'm irritable, or I'm frustrated, or I'm sad, or whatever. Yeah, like a, an emotion family, if you will. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. the better to pinpoint, then you can actually fix the problem. Which, also great that you brought that up, because even... <laughs> Even in the books by Eckhart Tolle, and I couldn't tell you which of the two, he, no, oh gosh, this is another, <laughs> so, and I'm going to butcher her name, but it's like Pima Chodron or something, C-H-O-D-R-O-N, but there's like uh, one of those like accents over the letters. Okay. But in any case, she's a monk. and. Okay. She, it's a book on meditation, essentially, because meditation mm-hmm. is such a hard practice. You know, we have the 
the notion of meditation as being this thing where it's like sit in the silence and empty all thoughts out of your mind (laughs) when it's like, good luck with that. Right. I think even probably the most seasoned meditator is going to have things that come up for them. Right. Especially like good days, bad days. Right. Mm -hmm. And she talks a lot about emotion in the sense of sit with that discomfort. Let's say um, you have a particular memory come up and at first it's associated with anger, right? Right. And then you sit with that anger for a while and you accept it. You love it like a sister, right? And And then she's like, oh, it turns out that it wasn't fully anger. It was loneliness Mm -hmm. it was sadness you know you could be feeling any number of things and especially when you sit with that and give it the space Mm -hmm. it could be something totally different and by acknowledging that you're in a better state to also work through it and to heal maybe even a little bit and with time can tolerate that discomfort Mm -hmm. because it's almost inevitable things are going to come up for you maybe you're thinking oh, God, I got, like, a list of 15 things I got to do right after this. And, oh, my God, you know, I'm so hungry. My leg fell asleep. And, <laughs> you know, all, all these other things. But I, I just thought that was really interesting to your point about it, things aren't always as they seem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and like, even about the pictures and what's depicted in them, it, um, for my little ones that I work with, we call it picture power. Mm-hmm. Right, because when you're first learning how to read, you're making connections there, and you rely on the pictures to kind of help you interpret this book. Right. Um, yeah, especially when you're an adult, like the only pictures you get maybe is like the first page in a chapter, um, <laughs> or like <laughs> students will know this, right? Undergrad and graduate schools, it's like charts and all this like convoluted information that you're like, oh my goodness, um, <laughs> and it. It really takes the joy out of the reading. Yeah. In a sense, you know, that things just become so increasingly complicated and convoluted. And even if it's a subject you're interested in, you're not always in the mood for that. Right. Something just like lighthearted and... Yeah, it it was something different, I'll tell you. For the books that I typically read to go to Finding Muchness with this cute little duckling. Uh-huh. Living its best life. Nice change of pace. So nice. I wanna, I wanna say because when you were telling me or saying that kids use the images to understand what the words are saying, yeah, you know, the illustration is your first form of a context clue. Yes, one hundred percent. And so, again, when you get older, and the less the less images you have, and the more words you have, you're just and the worse your eyes in, get, <laughs> <laughs> right? But you're just taking in information constantly, and mm-hmm. you're getting no context like no physical representation of the context you know a lot of people yeah do something called mirroring so i will mirror what i'm seeing um like yeah the neurons do this yeah (laughs) yeah if i'm in a stressful situation or if i'm in an unknown environment you subconsciously start to mirror the people around you so that you fit in yes Mm -hmm. so that's kind of like your context clue yeah but if those people either aren't portraying like the emotion or what's happening correctly, then you start to not like, you can't learn how to express or understand what emotion is being expressed to you. Yeah. If they don't know what they're doing. So Mm -hmm. I feel like, again, it's, it's a really good thing for adults, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. to go back and read kids books that maybe have to do with these bigger topics because it helps <laughs> to get super woo woo, it helps our inner child, <laughs> yeah, to understand. Okay, this is what it means. This is what that looks like or feels like. Versus, I'm just going to keep all of my oceans in here. To quote John Mulaney, and then one day I'll die. I was just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Beat you to it, sis. Yes. Um. <laughs> No, it's it's so true how we internalize and like you say, what becomes more quote unquote socially acceptable to express and you mm-hmm. carry those stressors and 
you know, especially when we see those people who are externalizing those emotions, Mm -hmm. it's often very negative things like anger, anger and sadness and not much of anything else. And then how they do that is also not very productive Mm because it results in like things like road rage incidents, you know, (laughs) just one small thing that shouldn't be a thing that just sets them off. Yeah. You know, um, so yeah, like returning to that kind of more simple, the simple things, the basics Mm-hmm. Uh, was nice because I don't know if you if you could guess this about me. Uh, <laughs> as a child, I was already a goth, and what what yeah like um what was it? I read Frankenstein or Dracula or both like in in sixth or seventh grade. Ugh, it scandalous! Was, I know like uh, <laughs> Sherlock Holmes books. Um. The, the Hound of Baskerville was my absolute favorite for a while. Read that in third grade. And even Jane Eyre. Mm-hmm. Which, like, if you want to get into, like, gothic depravity. <laughs> Listen, I love a good Jane Austen novel. Oh, so those were the Bronte sisters. Oh, f- I'm going to yeah. get roasted alive. Ignore. I'm going to censor myself. Bleep. So it was a Jane. It was a Jane. And... Was wait was she the one that wrote like Pride and Prejudice? Yes, and she okay. So I'm gonna swoop in for this fumble, and you want to know how I'm gonna do it? How you gonna do it, sis? Okay, so one of my long term uh, since childhood friends. Hi, Anne, if you're listening, um, <laughs> overseas. So she was big into Jane Austen, Pride and Prejudice, Mister Darcy, and I was all about Mister Rochester from the Jane Eyre book. Oh. And we had an ongoing debate over the years and still do occasionally in our old, old age about who was like, because they're both kind of trash men if you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. But like, you know, these these, uh, heroines and everything and these uh, very emotionally thick men. I I will probably upset you um, because I am a Mr. Darcy (laughs) fan. And a Mr. The, Darcy Stan. Yes, the reason being that while he is emotionally illiterate in the beginning, when it's like a a potato, when it gets pointed out to him by Elizabeth and yeah. says you're being in you know proper English form a, a fucking moron. Yeah, he doesn't turn around like he doesn't verbally abuse her. He just turns around and goes, oh, shit, I am being a fucking moron. And, like, works to better himself. Yeah. And actually takes her advice and takes her words to heart. And instead of holding them against her, he goes, okay, you know what? I was wrong here. And admits that he was wrong and apologizes. Like, (laughs) the reason I feel – I saw this online once. The reason that women love Mr. Darcy so much is because it was a man written by a woman. (laughs) (laughs) That's some true tea. (laughs) To this day, it's like, yeah, no, that's that's absolutely right. (laughs) Yeah, sis got it right. Um, yeah. Oh gosh, you know, damn, I'm gonna have to call her up because yeah, Mr. (laughs) Rochester was like uh, a very saucy man who was also just like not kind to Jane, Mm -hmm. even though he had come to recognize her brilliance at the time. You know, under this kind of quote-unquote, more simple exterior because she wasn't, like, your typical beauty and this and that. But she was smart and, she, you know, she was working her way up in the world and everything like that. Mm -hmm. And there was, like, this element of mystery to it. So it's like, oh, here's this mysterious man, but he's kind of an asshole. Um, Yeah. I don't know why we continue to... Hold my boomers. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Fetch me my uh, smelling salts. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> but, um, God, that was such a distraction. <laughs> Sorry. Anywho. No, you're fine. Um, but, you know, he was not kind. And there was this kind of hierarchy there, right? Because he's her employer and she's this poor orphaned woman. And then it's like, oh, marry me. But by the way, I'm also married. And she's 
considered mad and she's locked in an attic in the house and then she burns it down and blinds me pretty much and then maybe we can marry now it's cool (laughs) talk about a skeleton in the closet like that one it was not yet a skeleton it was not yet a skeleton (laughs) yeah um i'm gonna have to reassess some things wow you're right mr darcy i'm coming for you (laughs) hey hey but yeah that was a man written by a woman but i mean it what's so interesting i think about the bronte siblings the sisters is that they each wrote one book and then died young listen you know their life purposes were fulfilled very quickly yeah and the universe just said okay you're done (laughs) (laughs) this is it but um yeah, it was books like Jane Eyre, and I also really loved, I don't know why, uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. I don't know if it was, like, those really creepy illustrations. It's very much in line with the Green Ribbon mm-hmm. story, yep, and was absolutely horrified for days afterwards, but <laughs> worth it. <laughs> oh, and Edgar no. Allan Poe, because he's a spooky bitch. Listen, Edgar Allan Poe is everyone's favorite spooky bitch, besides... Mary Shelley. That's the original Ooh. spooky mm-hmm. bitch, and you will respect that. Mary Wollstonecraft Shelley. Didn't she lose her virginity on her mom's grave? That's so goth. I, I'm fairly certain. I read a story about it. Granted, like, I feel like she has become her own kind of fictional legend. character legend. Yeah. Yes. Where you could tell me almost any extra like extreme gothic measure and i go that sounds about right like i don't even know what's real anymore <laughs> yeah i think it was her and her husband percy shelley and i think they used to hang around with lord lord byron was his name oh my god yeah <laughs> and he was like one of the literature world's like earliest bisexual individuals me thinks uh-huh. so there was like many a saucy goings on you know Back to the point. Um, <laughs> I mean, we didn't go too far. We didn't go too far. We're still on book topics, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, now, riddle me this. What are some things that... Are you like me where you go into this... It's like a Wikipedia wormhole that once you're in it, you're just like clicking links within embedded links. And when you are when you find yourself really interested in a topic, you just keep on going until you find the next thing. And then, you know. Well, it... Hmm. I can do that on my phone. I could sit <laughs> and Google shit for literal hours and have no trouble with that. Yeah. But I don't know, when it comes to books, because I have such a difficult time sometimes getting sucked into the story, Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll go months without reading. It's just, it's like, I guess this is a dry zone right now for me on, on reading. Yeah, yeah. Before I am able to even pick up like a 200 300 page book and be like no i can finish that yeah you go hard when you decide to recommit (laughs) right and so i don't i guess i can't really do that when it comes to books anymore and it might just be because i got so burnt out from doing it in grad school required reading mandatory reading kills i think a lot of that want to continue reading once you're out of school it does. It sucks. And it makes, I think, also the whole nonfiction book seem so intimidating, you know? Yeah, especially when you have to read Shakespeare. And I'm... Bless. I'm, I hate Shakespeare. I oh. really do. He he was I a can't. man ahead of his time. And yeah. if he if his stories were written today, I feel like they would be comedy gold and they would still work just as well as they did when he was first writing them because they were scandalous. Oh, yes, absolutely. But trying to read it now is like pulling teeth. It's the hardest fucking thing for like, exactly. your average person to read. And there are so many people that's like, oh, I read I read Hamlet for fun. I'm like, okay, that's great. You've been doing that for years. Yeah, you're I can a pretentious barely get bitch. through I can barely get through English class. Like let's let's we're not on the same level. <laughs> yeah, it's like if you decided to read Faust for fun, which I would argue is a, probably more complicated than Ooh. some of Shakespeare's works. Right. Uh, yeah, I <sighs> I, I can appreciate Shakespeare for the ahead-of-his-time writer that he was. 
especially for the time that he was mm-hmm. on this earth. But I can't. If you asked me to pick that up for fun for book club, I would move away. <laughs> uh, I would leave the state. Yeah, just so I wouldn't receive your harassing texts about book club. <laughs> and had I read this first act, act one, scene one, whatever, oh, I could no. block you, but I'm just going to move out of the state. <laughs> so I take it, though, that you tend to go down wormholes with books? I full tilt go into wormholes that I project myself into another dimension. Okay, let's let's do this. Pick your favorite <sighs> wormhole that you have either recently gone into or favored above all time. Man. I know before this, looking at our notes, you had quite a few, but favorite one. Because <laughs> otherwise we will be here all night. Yeah, I'm logging off this call now. Um, <laughs> shit. Um, okay, so... God damn it. <laughs> in, in her head audience, she's going, fuck this bitch. I wanted to talk about all of them. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. <laughs> we are almost at the hour mark, S. We cannot talk about all of them. Oh, but I want to talk about any and all of it. Um, oh, God. You know what? Okay. How about this? Like, because there are tried and true things that I return to time and time again, so I won't get into it. And you can probably, you and the listeners can probably guess what some of those topics are. Okay. But some of the newer things that I've been into have, yeah, just been a, a, a more of a deviation from the usual. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, the biggest thing is probably Eastern medicine. Okay. Especially, you know, growing up, in the quote-unquote Western world and how we approach care and wellness mm-hmm. is so different because it's bits and pieces. It's it's not the part-to-whole relationship. Right. So that has been very, I, I would say, eye-opening. Mm-hmm. I think different approaches to life um, that also kind of, in a way, tie into maybe what could be considered aesthetic things. Mm-hmm. But is also like mindsets such as wabi sabi ikigai, and then I also realized uh, how very much into <laughs> books by John Ronson. So uh, viewers that uh, viewers, haha, listeners, oh boy, auditory <laughs> viewers, yep. <laughs> but um, listeners who are. Um, familiar with the movie Men Who Stare at Goats. So it's based off a book by this guy, John Ronson, who's like what you could call a gonzo journalist. And he's written really interesting books, anything from like uh, public shame. Like why is it that some people are never able to recover after an incident that is considered either shameful or controversial, mm-hmm. while others are readily reaccepted by the public? And oh, okay. Like, it makes them even more popular for one reason or another. Mm. So I really enjoy his style of writing um, because the book just, like, really flies by. I I would consider myself a slow reader. Mm -hmm. And there's, like, a bit of humor there. But, um, yeah, he has a very interesting way of writing. So I, I recommend him. I know you asked about one, but I just kept on talking and you didn't say anything. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I figured you would be fine. I will say, though, um, I hate his name. John, John Ronson. Ronson? No really? H. Yeah. And also, that could so easily be Ron Johnson. Like, Absolutely. Ron Johnson sounds more realistic than John Ronson. If someone came up to me and said, hi, my name's John Ronson, I'd look at them and go, no, it's not. It's not. Like, there's no fucking way that's your name. <laughs> Especially how it's spelled. Yeah. It's literally the same two letters repeating and then, like, just different, like someone just threw in fucking consonants. Like, yeah, we'll just throw that one in there. Like, what if I'm sorry, my dude. I'm John sorry. John Ron or Ron John. <laughs> and then you have no idea which one comes first. I just, I, it's it's an unfortunate name. <laughs> He's British. <laughs> Does it like, make Does it better? <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> but, um, yeah, check him out. I mean, it, uh, for for as unique unique as the name <laughs> is uh his books are are really fun to read so i always look forward to the next john ronson adventure 
<laughs> don't not like how that went in my ear holes. John Ronson. Stop. <laughs> yeah, I'm done. I'm done. I promise. Are you though? Are you really done? <laughs> For now. Okay. Yes. So do you have any final thoughts or uh, nuggets to leave our auditory viewers? <laughs> Some morsels. Um, mm. nom, 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 nom. Honestly, I hate that I read- did that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to bleep that too. This whole episode, in fact, one long bleep. That's it for however long this, this audio track is. An hour, one big bleep. Um, I say go in with an open mind to reading. Sometimes mm. the cover is the fun thing. Sometimes you would grab a book with an ugly cover, like a children's book, a quote-unquote adult book. Have fun with it. There's so many great things out there, and sometimes in the most unexpected ways and places. Or topics. Listen, listen though. My mama taught me not to judge a book by its cover. But you're judging John Ronson I am absolutely on his name. judging him by his name. That's a stupid-ass yeah. name. <laughs> Yeah, John Ronson. <laughs> Gotta get sued for this. Oh, that's bullying. Listen. Yeah. <laughs> if you're listening, one of us enjoys your work. <laughs> I'm sure that I would too if I actually read it. Yeah, the subpoena is on its way <laughs> from across the pond. Oh no. But how about you, D? What? What? Uh tender morsels do you have for our listeners oh the, t- the only the tenderest <laughs> <laughs> melting off the bone oh no um i would just say give nonfiction a try mm-hmm. because not everyone writes like your 56 year old grandfather who only has one idea in one topic or whatever i said 56 i meant really 65 but whatever <laughs> You know what I'm saying. You can be a grandpa at 56. (laughs) My dad's 57, though. Oh, does he know? (laughs) So, anywho, um, but give nonfiction a try, especially, you know, nonfiction that is coming from a place of, like, vulnerability. So, Mm-hmm. For example, you know, The Crying in H-Mart or She Come By It Natural, um, but I'm also looking on my bookshelf, Untamed by Glidden Doyle was a, a phenomenal read, you know, coming mm-hmm. from people who either are living an experience that maybe you can resonate with or you're just trying to get a better understanding of a topic. I mean, nonfiction is a really good place to to read it and, and get it from. So yeah. don't. Don't be intimidated because it's not, you know, a mystical, magical journey. You know, journey is still a journey and life is a journey. So, yeah, that's my that's my morsel. I hope it was delicious. I found it um, tender, enjoyable <laughs> with a with a hint of spice. I can't I can't with you. <laughs> <laughs> and also, listeners, sometimes the book is boring and you just need to put it down and never look at it again and that's fine absolutely there is no shame in in trying you know at least you tried and if by the third sentence in you go "Mm, this ain't working put it back it's fine yeah and also don't bend the spine of the book i can't tell you when people fucking bend a book back like that and don't dog that ear your pages. Me. Don't dog ear your freaking pages. No, don't do it, ho. Oh, you're you want your librarian, you want your local librarian to join a fight club? Dog ear your pages. I know what I'm gonna try to instigate tomorrow in I- your library. Stop it. I'm just in a really spicy mood. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm cutting the action before it gets, you know, NSFW, all right. <laughs> So thank you, everyone, for listening. If you've enjoyed it thus far, leave a like, a rating, subscribe, bookmark, send it to your friends, email, Snapchat, WhatsApp. I don't give a shit. Get the word out, okay? We exist and we are hilarious. We love you very much. (laughs) Yeah, 10 out of 10 would agree with that statement. (laughs) So until next week, don't dog ear your pages, don't crack the spines, but crack open a book. Love that. Ah. (laughs) Bye, everybody. (laughs) Bye. Bye.